Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include public mortgage company earnings, my interview with Rob Chrisman about Ukraine rates and flights to quality, and some key economic releases to close the week. Today's podcast is brought to you by Sagent, which powers more than $2 trillion in outstanding mortgage servicing, enabling its bank and non-bank customers to care for, retain, and modernize homeownership for millions of borrowers. Sagent brings the modern experience customers now expect from loan originations to loan servicing, where lifetime customer relationships are managed and grown by enabling consumers to manage their homeowning lives from anywhere while giving servicers lower costs, scale, compliance, and higher servicing values through full market cycles. The end game is a continuous loop where tech-powered customer attention, retention, and engagement in servicing lead to new originations, which then lead to and preserve lifetime servicing. Remember how you wish that the pandemic wouldn't be in the headlines every day? You got it. Unfortunately, it has been replaced by the Russian invasion of Ukraine, long discussed and now occurring. Market participants are busy attempting to gauge how Russia's full-scale attacks on Ukraine will impact the global economy, in addition to inflationary risks, to struggling supply chains, and oil prices. While the MBS market response has been muted thus far, watch for increased market volatility and lenders trying to mitigate risk. We could see lenders limiting or discontinuing locks outside of market hours and adding temporary margin to offset the risk of market volatility. MBS will probably lag any improvement in rates as the Fed's tapering will be the dominant factor. Fortunately, even if benchmark rates drop, we probably won't have a repeat of the margin calls of 2020 since the Fed is buying less and mortgage rates will be stubborn. It will be interesting to see if the tone of Fed speak changes as the situation for the Fed has become quite fluid. Cleveland Fed President Mester said in a speech yesterday that the implications of the unfolding situation in Ukraine for the medium-run economic outlook in the U.S. will also be a consideration in determining the appropriate pace at which to remove accommodation. Meanwhile, Atlanta Fed President Bostich and San Francisco Fed President Daly noted that the economy is robust and inflation high, keeping to the March rate mantra. Odds have dramatically shifted for a rate hike in March, dropping from 100% for a 25 basis point hike last week to about an 87% chance now, and a 13% chance of a 50 basis point hike versus about 65% at the start of this week. Expectations for the overall number of rate hikes this year have also fallen. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back to the show Rob Chrisman to talk about Ukraine, rates, and flights to quality. Where does the phrase buy the rumor, sell the news come from? So that is an old stock market phrase where you would hear rumors of increased earnings or rumors of a new product or rumors of a takeover. So the stock price would be going up based on whatever rumors you were hearing. And then when the rumor actually turned out to be true, that was the time to sell and take profits from the run-up in stock price based on whatever rumor was going on out there. It doesn't always work, however. It's, it's an adage. It's a little bit of a wives' tale. It works in reverse, oftentimes in the bond market. So traders and analysts tend to use that phrase when something is going up in value 
based on a rumor. And then when the news actually comes out, that's the time to sell it and book your profits because you can't go broke taking a profit. So I guess in this example of Russian aggression in Ukraine. What's happened in Ukraine this week is very interesting and almost a case study in, in the market, market's behavior and the psychology of investors. So for weeks, months now, we've heard about Russia invading Ukraine. Russia invading Ukraine. Russia invading Ukraine. The administration talked about it. The world political body talked about it. So when it actually happened this week, it wasn't exactly greeted by a shrug in terms of mortgage-backed securities and bond prices, but it wasn't a surprise. A surprise happens more when, say, North Korea fires a missile into the Sea of Japan or China flies its jet fighters over Taiwan. Something like that, it shocks the market and tends to move rates more than a expected event like Russian incursion into Ukraine. So markets in general tend to get shocked by a surprise more than a gradual seeping out of news and expectations. So to, to ask a black and white follow-up, short of Russia deciding to use nuclear weapons or the U.S. getting drawn into the conflict in terms of putting boots on the ground, it's unlikely there will be a, a big market rally in the, in the bond market going forward. You agree or disagree? I would agree with that. The, the thing that would move interest rates even more is if... Russia decided to use nuclear weapons or the U.S. got involved. The uncertainty of that is causing investors to fret about the outcome. And it would be a surprise if either one of those happened. But when surprises happen, that's what moves stocks and bond prices. So in that case, if things get carried away, then that's an issue. If things settle back down and Russia continues to do what it's doing and slowly march across Ukraine, that is what is expected. So if Russia were to suddenly capitulate and say, oh my gosh, these economic sanctions are really hurting us, we're going to retreat, which isn't going to happen. That would be a surprise. If the United States troops were called into war against Russia, that would be a surprise. If nuclear weapons somehow were deployed, that would be a huge surprise, in which case we would have a huge flight to quality, causing bond prices to go up and rates to go down dramatically. A lot of investors' movement with their money seems to be based on different time horizons. If you have a short time horizon, you might sell. If you have a longer time horizon, you might buy at a sort of juncture. What's the optimal duration in a sense for 
different investors' portfolios or money managers viewing things differently than investment banks versus overseas money? How would you weight your portfolio depending on what type of investor you were? That answer would require hours of discussion. If you are a day trader, your time horizon might be five or 10 minutes. If you are an insurance company where life insurance policies are being hedged, you might have a 30-year time frame. If you are a, an insurance company and you have people putting money into life insurance policies who are only 20 or 25 or 30 years old, and they may not retire or die until they're 65 or 85 or 95, you have a 30, 40, 50 year time horizon in many cases. So what tends to happen though, is that mortgage-backed security traders will try to match the duration of the mortgages held in those securities. And generally speaking, the life of those mortgages is five to seven, maybe 10 years. A lot of people listening to this will have refinanced mortgages after less than a year or two, in which case the duration of that mortgage-backed security pool might be dramatically less than 30 years. So when you talk about investors and duration, it all depends on so many factors that it, it gets very complicated. And that's one of the things that traders and market analysts are good at or what they hope to be good at is analyzing exactly what the duration is and what they should be hedging to in terms of the securities they own and so forth. The Fed has a very unenviable task of controlling the highest inflation we've seen in four decades without sending the economy into recession or crashing the housing market. I think the last I saw or last week, there were seven rate hikes priced in this year, 175 basis points of rate hikes, something like that. Are you thinking that Russia's incursion into Ukraine changes the Fed's thinking at all? I don't think it changes the Fed's thinking yet. It depends on how this plays out. Right now, it's a, it's a, it's a shock to the system. If we get into some kind of global watching of a land war in Europe over an extended period, then that will take on different characteristics than Russia suddenly going back to Russia and saying, our bad, we didn't mean to do that. I don't see that happening. The politics of the situation are very sensitive, and Putin, being a Russian nationalist, is very focused on how Russia has been, I won't say insulted, but how Russia has been perhaps taken advantage of or stepped on, whatever term you'd like to use, over the decades. And so Putin is, is going back in and saying, all right, we're going to take Ukraine because it's ours. And when you look at the natural resources, from barley to uranium, all kinds of things that come out of Ukraine in terms of the world economy, Ukraine is very, very valuable. So I am positive that Russia is not going to stop doing what it's doing. 
in which case we're going to be watching a prolonged exercise in geopolitical upheaval, in which case the market will eventually adapt to that. But for now, the market is based on headline news coming out of Russia versus any kind of economic news that might come out of the United States. What difference do jobless claims make when there's a country being invaded? What difference do retail sales from a month or two make when what's going on in Eastern Europe is threatened? What difference do does the Case-Shiller Index make measuring house prices from two months ago when all the world is, is watching Russia's aggression? So the priorities of the markets change depending on the incident and depending on the time frame. But it is hoped that the Fed, getting back to your question. Yeah, I was going to say. It is hoped that the Fed who is not necessarily in a position to react or to predict geopolitical events or wars is able to stabilize the U.S. economy over time because that's the role of the Fed, to help stabilize the U.S. economy. And obviously the U.S. economy is buffeted by things that happen around the world. But in terms of our economy, inflation is still very strong. Unemployment rate is low, and I think the Fed's eyes are on that rather than what Putin might do. I'm going to close on this. I know you don't like crystal balls, so I won't ask you to predict what's going to happen. But if you were a prospective home buyer right now, would you feel good about buying considering supply is so limited? There's thoughts that prices will keep going up or rates will rise and homes will become less affordable? Or are you back to being on the fence based on what's going on in the news? What happens in Russia and Ukraine and Brazil and Australia or India doesn't necessarily have an impact on Mr. and Mrs. Hernandez and their two children who are renting an apartment for $2,000 a month and can obtain a mortgage and have monthly payments of $1,700 a month because they've saved up enough of a down payment over the last couple of years. They want to own a home regardless of what is going on in Eastern Africa or Europe or Russia. So what loan officers are doing is talking about rent versus payment at current market or maybe a little bit higher mortgage rates and saying that if you can find a home, in this limited inventory environment, then your payment is going to be X and your rent is going to be Y. And don't you want to own a home regardless of what is going on with Russian aggression? The overall mortgage market is forecast to fall to $2.6 trillion this year down from $3.9 trillion last year and $4.1 trillion in 2020, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. Lenders and vendors that can't adapt quickly may not survive, and the earnings retained over the last few years will only last so long if they don't adjust. 
Changes in our industry are everywhere, including odd articles and videos about companies that may not seem real. But some are real. This year, besides rumored and actual layoffs everywhere, you know, Santander shutting down mortgage and HELOC lending, KKR acquiring Merchants Mortgage Trust Incorporation, Mortgage Solutions Financial acquiring First American State Bank, Stearns Wholesale shuttered by G-Rate, Redfin buying Bay Equity, Texas Partners Bank partnering with Legacy Mutual Mortgage, Better Mortgages publicized layoffs over video, not to mention the mergers, acquisitions, and capital flowing into vendors. Rocket Companies, which includes auto, personal, home sales, and other businesses, is starting to feel the industry-wide slowdown in the mortgage business, although it still made a strong $6 billion in profits last year and saw its market share grow. Yesterday, Rocket reported $12.9 billion in total revenue for 2021, which was down 21% from 2020. And net income, or profit for 2021, was $6.1 billion, down from the record $9.4 billion of 2020. Rocket employees returned to in-person office work February 14th after having mostly worked from home since March 2020. Rocket is the top mortgage lender by volume, and Rocket Mortgage grew to a nearly 9% industry market share in 2021 company officials said, up from about 8% in 2020 and about 5% between 2014 and 2018. Though the bond market will be driven by global risk sentiment rather than economic numbers in the short term, we did receive home sales data yesterday after the GDP figures came in as expected. New home sales decreased 4.5% month over month in January to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 801,000 units, missing expectations and down 19.3% from a year ago and 4% lower than December. Sales of lower-priced homes have decelerated, likely due to less supply and affordability pressures. That is leading to higher-priced homes, accounting for a larger percentage of new homes sold, which is driving up both median and average selling prices. This week closes out with a number of key economic releases, including the Fed's preferred inflation reading. PCE for January, which was up 0.6% as expected and up 6.1% for the year. Personal income and spending were flat and up 2.1%, meaning we're spending, but maybe not earning. And durable goods for January came in very strong at plus 1.6% and plus 0.7% excluding transportation. Later this morning brings final February consumer sentiment and the pending home sales index for January. Support from the New York Fed will be a bit larger than originally planned at up to $3.8 billion from $2.7 billion due to technical difficulties yesterday. We begin the day with agency MBS prices down a quarter and the tenure yielding 2% flat after closing yesterday at 1.97%. After a wiener joke yesterday, let's wrap up today with some Ukraine stats and some housekeeping. Ukraine is the second largest country by area in Europe and has a population of over 40 million. Ukraine ranks first in Europe in proven recoverable reserves of uranium ores. It has the second largest iron ore reserves in the world at 30 billion tons. It's fourth in the world by the total value of natural resources. And seventh place in the world in coal reserves at 33.9 billion tons. Ukraine is first in Europe in terms of arable land area and third place in the world by the area of black soil which it actually has 25% of the world's total volume. Finally, it is Europe's second and the world's fourth largest natural gas pipeline system. Thanks again to Sagent, bringing the modern experience customers expect from loan originations to servicing with platforms that let consumers manage their home-owning lives from anywhere. 
The end game is a continuous loop where tech-powered customer attention, retention, and engagement in servicing lead to new originations, which lead to and preserve lifetime servicing. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.